Good morning. Good news. How we doing? Hey, if you can't tell, it is VBS week, and this place looks amazing. There's been a whole team of people who uh, have worked hard all week to transform this, uh, not only the lobby, but the auditorium, the gym. Did you notice the Etch-a-Sketches? Like, there's, the detail is just unreal. Uh, so, so neat. My name is Strider. i uh, one of the pastors here at Good News, and I just want to welcome you. If you are new or visiting, uh, we have something uh, located in the seat backs in front of you, and it's... Uh, we call it the Connect Card. We'd love for you to take one of those out, uh, fill it out, give us as much contact information as you feel comfortable with, and you can actually drop those in the black boxes on your way out uh, this morning. At the bottom of the card, there are actually a couple of next steps. Maybe you'd like to have lunch with a pastor. Smiley loves taking people out to lunch, if you would like to go to lunch. And also, at the bottom of the card, you'll notice that um, one of the next steps is that you can come to our Discover Good News class. And we have two of those coming up uh, this month. The dates are on the screen. If you've been coming to, uh, to Good News for a while and would like to make this your church home, or if you would just like to find out more about who we are and what we believe and how to get plugged in, uh, that is your next step. You can register for that on the card and just uh, mark on there which date works better for your schedule. Uh, Mindy DeAngelis, who's our administrative ninja, will con contact you and um, let you know uh, how to go about that. And so um, I want to let you know that a few weeks ago, uh, something really, really fun uh, started, and you probably don't know that it's happened. And so uh, we actually started and launched a new small group here at Good News, and I wanted to introduce you to the, to the person who is um, uh, one half of the couple that is uh, leading that small group. And so this is Tim Greco. And, um, and uh, he's been kind enough to come up here and, and let me uh, interview him a little bit. So Tim, tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, so I'm Tim Greco. Uh, I'm Tavanya's husband. Um, we have four kids, and um, I'm a firefighter for St. John's County. Yeah, thank you for serving, for serving us, keeping us safe. This is fun. Tim, how long have you been coming to Good News Church? So I grew up here, so about 31 years, I think. So. 31? Are you old enough to have been here for yeah. 30, 31 <laughs> years? Wow. Did you, were you in Smiley's living room when this whole thing started? No, we were at uh, the Riverview Club. Okay, that's really, really fun. Okay, let's get down to, to brass tacks. Here's what everybody wants to know. Who is your favorite good news staff person? <laughs> uh, Tavanya Greco. Good answer, good answer. Can you imagine, I mean, Smiley's great, but can you imagine if you answered Smiley Sturgis and then left from this, like, could you yeah. go home after that? Uh, nope, no, no, yeah, I don't think so. Walking. I don't think so. Okay, uh, I get a front row seat to what Jesus is doing in your life because you and I get together and we have breakfast every week and uh, we've been spending time with Jesus together. But, but what has Jesus been doing in your life in 2023? Uh, so we've been going through the map and that's been uh, really awesome. Uh, and through that, I've been doing the read, pray, share. Uh, yep. And that's really affected how I can apply God's word to my life and uh, to the people around me. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's really cool how um, in the study, there is a simple outline of just reading the word, praying the word, and sharing the word. And every week, Tim sh shows up, and uh, he tells me stories about how Jesus is speaking to him as he reads through the New Testament using that reading plan. And then he tells me stories about how he's sharing that with Tavanya and his family, uh, his kids, uh, people that he works with. It's really, really cool to see every week what God has done in your life and in the lives of, of those that you are leading. And so thank you for leaning into to more of Jesus. We have a, we have a picture uh, up on the screen. This is from a couple weeks ago. Tell us who's in that picture. 
Uh, so this is uh, Billy and Anne Marie as they're joining the church, and then all of uh, our small group is uh, behind them. So, yeah, love that. That was exciting. What, um, when it comes to your small group, what are you emphasizing? Uh, so we are taking our small group through the map, and it's really an awesome uh, uh, thing to take somebody from new belief in Christ, and it's like a step-by-step guide to make them disciple makers. So. Yep. And that process will take about a year, and you guys are how far into that so far? Uh, four sessions in. Yeah. So, so it's cool. really cool to see how everything kind of compounds on it as you go through. Though, so. Love that. Hey, last question is, uh, how can we pray for you as you lead not only yourself, but your family and your small group? Uh, just pray for me that I would be able to uh, grow as a leader in my family and um, in the small group, and then that uh, God would just raise up disciple makers and leaders. Love that. Hey, as Smiley comes forward to speak, let me, uh, let me pray for you, and pray along with me if you would. Jesus, thank you for Tim Greco for 31 years of your faithfulness. Thank you for using his mom and dad um, and countless people here at Good News, student ministry leaders, kids leaders. And Lord, I do pray as he's asked that you would lead him well. Jesus, that that you would be at the center of Tim's life uh, and that you would give him wisdom and courage, that you'd fill him with the Holy Spirit, uh, that you'd speak to him as he opens your word day after day, that you would speak and allow him to continue being a person who spends time with you uh, and talks about people and then spends time with people to talk about Jesus. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Thank you, Strider and Tim. I'm going to start out on the floor because we have some folks who are coming to join you today. And uh, so I'm going to invite Alora and uh, Scott and Darla if you would come up at this time. And those that are part of the small group, you guys can just kind of be around them here. I thought for Laura's sake, it would be better just to be on the floor. So this is pretty cool. We have Laura Kaufman. She's coming. And then we have her daughter, Darla, and her husband, Scott, Scott and Darla Mobley. And we get them here in the middle. They recently came to our Discover Good News, shared with me their faith, and are coming to join Good News today. So, really excited about this. Yeah, I see the mother-daughter thing, don't you? You see that going on there? Oh, so I had a chance to hear of your faith, so let me uh, give you an opportunity to publicly profess your faith. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving His wrath and hopeless without His mercy? It's okay. I do. Oh, there you go. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you trust Him alone for salvation as He's offered in the gospel? I do. And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? And do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? This is so special. You have faith with Christ. You guys are in the same family and now in a part of a bigger family together. It's a really special day. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for Laura, for Darla, for Scott, for bringing them to faith in you and making them a part of good news. 
Lord, we pray that they would feel welcomed here, they would grow here, and that you would use those gifts and abilities you've given them to help us become more and more the body of Christ you would have us to be. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to welcome them here, but I would really encourage you after the service, you'd find them and make sure. So good to have you. So good to have you. Welcome. Glad to have you part of good news. Thank you. It is my favorite week every year, the uh, year of Vacation Bible School, when this building is filled with kids. And so I'm going to ask if you have served uh, this past week getting things ready or you are serving this week in Vacation Vacation Bible School, would you stand up? We'd like to be thankful for you, and then I'd like to pray for you. Thank you. And, And stay standing up so I can pray for you. Lord Jesus, you said, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And Lord, we hear this building this week filled with laughter and joy as children come to learn about Jesus. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on the workers and leaders. May they be filled up each day with your spirit and and be here to help welcome children and point them to you. Lord, we pray for many children that who've never heard the gospel, that, that you, Holy Spirit, would move and, and they would understand the bad news and good news and put their faith in you, and there would be rejoicing here and in heaven. And Lord, for many, many children who come, who, who know you, may they make great, great memories of being in your house learning about you. And Lord, for all the workers, may we leave rejoicing that there's nothing better than working together to bring people to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, This week, we rejoice at seeing one person who put their faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. Uh, So good. We had some microphone issues at the first service, and I had to stand behind a stand, and it feels so good. We're working through the book of 1 Timothy, and we're in chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read verses 17 through 19. And this is not a trick, but we do this sometimes. If you would stand while I read these verses so that we can pay attention to God's word. 1 Timothy 6, 17, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Uh, You may be seated. Before we start to unpack that a little bit, let me pray. Lord, thank you that we have the Word of God. And Lord, thank you for sending your spirit to teach us all things. So as we begin to explore your word together, Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to treasure Jesus and to love Jesus, to want to follow Jesus, to want to tell everybody about how amazing Jesus is. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There was a man and... uh, he, he, he was about to die, and so he took all of his money, he put it in a bag, and he put the bag in the attic. 
And his wife said, what are you doing? And he said, well, when I die and, and I go up to heaven, I want to take my money with me, so I want to pick it up in the attic and take it. She figured he knew what he was talking about. He died, and she didn't go up in the attic and check it out. But after a couple of years, she was in the attic cleaning up, and she discovered this bag, and she opened it up, and it was full of money. <laughs> she said, perhaps he went the other way. Now, I want to tell you two very important lessons from that story. Lesson number one, when we believe in Jesus, we don't have to wonder which way we're going, right? That if we believe in Jesus, we know we're going to heaven. And lesson number two is Jesus has a way better plan for us to store our treasure in heaven than a bag full of money in the attic. And that's what we're going to be learning about today. I want you to know that Jesus is my financial advisor. And I want you to know, he is the best financial advisor ever. And here's why he's so good. The point of today's message, and it might surprise you, is that Jesus wants us to be rich. Would you say that with me? Jesus wants us to be rich. And some of you aren't convinced, but I'm going to convince you by the end of this, okay? Did you notice how much riches were emphasized in the passage? Did you? Let's go back and look through it. Verse 17, instruct those who were rich in this present world, so that's the first time, to be, uh, not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, there's the second time, but on God who richly, third time, supplies us with all things to enjoy, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, four times. Did you see that? Rich, riches, richly, rich. Um, listen, Jesus wants us to enjoy his blessings to enjoy all the good things he gives us to enjoy, and then he wants us to be rich in good works toward others. Notice as well, he's got a way better plan for us to get our money to heaven. He says, instruct them to be, do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future. There is a way to get our treasure stored in heaven. Um, so, uh, Jesus wants us to be rich, but I want you to know the Bible gives us a warning. The Bible gives us a warning. We, we heard that a couple weeks ago, right, about those who want to get rich. Remember when we were in First uh, Timothy 6, verse 9, we read, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and foolish, many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. And remember we learned that money is a good tool but a bad God. Remember that? We learned money is a good tool. It's a good tool, but it's a bad God. And, and when we ask the question, uh, well, what does it mean to want to get rich? The Bible tells us. Remember we read, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And we learned how misquoted that verse is because it doesn't say money's the root of all evil. It says the love of money. It's not the root of all evil, but of all sorts of evil. Um, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Haven't we all seen people who, who wanted to get rich, who were caught up with the love of money? Haven't we seen them wreck their lives just like the Scripture says? And remember... Isn't this exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew 6 when he said, no one can serve two masters? And you know what that means? You don't need to spend the rest of your life trying to prove Jesus wrong. You won't. No one. 
Not me, not you. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So, what we're reading in 1 Timothy 6, listen, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't fix your hope on money. Don't fix your hope on wealth, on, on wanting to be rich. Instead, fix your hope on God. Fix your hope on Jesus who supplies us with all things to enjoy. Now, if you haven't picked up the study for uh, this month, pick it up and, and read through Acts with us. But there's a, a map here. Tim was talking about the map, and there's our disciple-making process here. And, and to be disciple-makers, there's questions that we need to learn the answer from God's Word. And one of them has to do with hope. So the question is, what is our only, what is our only hope in life and death? And what we learn is that Jesus is our only hope in life and death. Not money, but Jesus is our only hope in life and death. That's what we're going to be learning about today, to fix our hope on Jesus, because Jesus is our only hope in life and death. Another question we want to ask is, what would Jesus have me to give? And we'll explore that a little bit as well. Jesus wants us to be rich. This passage is all about riches. And then we see that, that money is a, is a good tool, but it's a bad God. Now, the next thing I'd like to help you see is the first time words are used in the Bible are very important because they kind of set the pattern for the rest of the scriptures. So here's my question. Don't vote. Now, do you think the first time rich is used in the Bible is good or bad? Let's have a little bit. The first time to be rich is used in the Bible. Good or bad? How many of you say good? Okay. How many of you say bad? Uh, it's good. I'm going to show you the first time the word rich is used in the Bible. It's, it's a good thing to be rich. Secondly, who, who, who knows the first person in the Bible who's called rich? Come on, take a guess. Abraham, very good. You got it. Abraham is the first person mentioned. In Genesis 13, this is so good. In Genesis 13... Verse 2, not only was Abraham, he's called Abram here, but his name becomes Abraham. Not only was he called rich, he was called what? Very rich. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And so my question for you is, how did Abram, how did he get rich? You know how he got rich? God made him rich. Did you know that? You see, in the chapter before that, God finds a poor pagan whose name is Abram. And, and God enters into a covenant relationship with him. He established his covenant of grace with him. It's the same covenant that we're a part of. And listen to what God says. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. <laughs> Do you know God wants to bless us? And I will bless you. And make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. God's covenant of grace has two lines. The top line is, I will bless you. And the bottom line is, because when I bless you, you'll be a blessing to others. I mean, wouldn't you like to be blessed, wouldn't you? 
And wouldn't you like to be a blessing to those around you? And so the Lord says, I will bless you spiritually and materially. I will bless you in this life and in the life to come so you can not only enjoy his blessings, but you can be a blessing to other people. Oh, and then he goes on and unpacks that a little bit more when he says, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. One of Abraham's descendants would be Jesus, and he would bring the blessing of salvation to all the families of the earth. Wow. What if we believe that? That our financial advisor, Jesus, wants to bless us beyond our wildest imaginations and make us a blessing to others. And isn't that what our passage is about today? Um, that he wants us, he tells us to fix our hope on Jesus who supplies us with all good things to enjoy. So how do we fix our hope on Jesus? We believe the gospel. We believe the gospel. And, and do you know what the gospel says? The gospel teaches that Jesus wants us to be rich. A lot of you think I've lost my mind. I've become a prosperity theology person. And, and I want you to know that's not true. But I'm going to show you the gospel teaches us that Jesus wants us to be rich beyond our wildest imagination. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become what? You there? What? Rich. His whole mission and coming was that those who were poor could be made rich. Um, now, to understand that, we have to understand that we were poor, right? And isn't that what the gospel teaches? I mean, in Romans 6, 23, let, let me show you the... Here's the bad news of the gospel for the wages of sin is death. See the word sin? That's a crime against God, and the Bible says that all have sinned and falls short of the glory of God. That a sin can be a thought... We're jealous, envious, angry, right? Have you ever had those thoughts? That's a sin, a crime against God. We can sin against God through our words if we say something unkind. Any of you drive? Any of you drive? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said if we call someone an idiot or a fool, we're guilty enough to go to hell. Anybody ever do that? I mean, you drive, right? Aren't we all guilty? It can be what we thought, think. It can be what we say. It can be what we do. We disobey our parents. We steal something. Every one of us has committed crime after crime against God, and God is just, and he must punish sin. Next word I want you to see is wages. See that? That's what we've earned. Sometimes people tell me, well, smiley, all I want from God is what I deserve. Say, the one thing you don't want from God is what you deserve. Because if God gave us what we deserve, it would be death. And see, death, it's not simply speaking of physical death. When our bodies and spirits are separated from one another, that's what hell is, a separation from God and from all good things. I mean, not just physical death when our bodies and spirits are separated, but it's the separation of our body and spirit from God and from all good things forever. The bad news of the gospel is we have a debt we cannot pay. But the good news 
Jesus became poor to pay our debt. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He came to pay the penalty our sins deserve. That's what the second half of Romans 6.23 is. For the wages of sin is death, but... Instead of getting what we deserve, we can get something so much better. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. Born in a barn, right? He was poor. And then on the cross, He took our sin and He paid the wages of sin. He died on the cross for our sins. Once and for all, crying out, it is finished, right? Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he walked out of the tomb. Listen, death is the penalty for sin. And because he had paid the penalty in full, he walked out proving the penalty for sin had been paid and he, death could hold him no longer. And he offers poor sinners the opportunity to become rich, to give us the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life, the forgiveness for all of our sins, the chance to do life and eternity with Jesus. And what does he require of us? that we receive him as our Savior and Lord, have you? Oh, the verse that changed my life, Revelation 3.20, where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Um, if you've never received this gift or received Jesus, you can do that now, won't you? Or I'll help you when we, uh, when we close in prayer. But here's what happened in me. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes, and when I saw Jesus, I saw my sin that I had done and said and thought things I shouldn't, and I said, I'm in trouble. And so I said, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? And I saw Jesus, that he became poor so that I might become rich. He died in my place and rose, and I said, Jesus, I believe in you, won't you? Oh, man. And then I trusted. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and Lord. Forgive me. Give me eternal life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And he did, won't you? And if you have, do you know that you were rich beyond your wildest imagination? Did you hear what Jesus said? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. When we receive Jesus, he moves into us. And we who were poor become rich. You say, how are we rich? We are forgiven of all of our sins. Aren't you thankful to be forgiven? That when I go to bed at night, I know I'm forgiven of all my sins, past and present and future. And so I'm blessed and I thank the Lord. Thank you for being forgiven. But because I'm rich, I want to enjoy his riches, but I want to bless others too. Listen, we can forgive others, right? Because we've been forgiven. Are you forgiven? Remember what Jesus, remember how he taught us to pray? He taught us how what? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ah, oh, to be riches, we enjoy being forgiven and then we become forgiving. Are you forgiving? Listen to to enjoy being forgiven is when we're around others and they say, listen, I'm so bad I could never be forgiven. We can share with them what we know, Right? that you can't be too bad to go to heaven. No matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. You can't be too bad to go to heaven, but you can be too good, right? Did you know that? You can't be too bad, because if you believe you're going to go to heaven, but you can be, don't be too good, right? So let's enjoy being forgiven. And then let's share with others how they can be forgiven too. Oh, 
You know how I'm rich? I've been doing life with Jesus for 55 years. I have a friend who for 55 years we've done life together. He's never left. How amazing is that? I get to take him with me to work and to play. And in my home, I get to do life with Jesus. I'm so rich. I mean, are you thankful you have a friend who never leaves? So let's enjoy a friend, but let's share him with others, right? I mean, don't we want our friends to meet our best friend? You see, the Lord blesses us that we might enjoy our riches, but be a blessing to others. <clears throat> you know what? You know what else Jesus did to change my life when I came to faith in Christ? He gave me a purpose bigger than myself. My whole life had been all about me. And then I met Jesus and he said, follow me and help change the world. Oh, the time of my life I've had walking with Jesus. I'm so rich. I have a purpose. We're surrounded by people in our culture who have no purpose. And they're wasting their lives. Hey, Share with us, hey, Jesus has a plan for changing our lives and the world. Join him. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? We're so rich, so we get to enjoy his riches and we get to be a blessing to others. How about the future? <clears throat> Listen, I'm a Christian. I have eternal life. I know the best is yet to come. I talk to so many hopeless people. Listen, I want to enjoy knowing the best is yet to come, but I want to share that with others, don't you? Jesus became poor so that we might become rich, forgiven, getting to do life in eternity with Jesus. But, but there's even more. Jesus moves into us. And we're so rich because he says, follow me. I want to be your financial advisor. He is the greatest financial advisor everywhere, anywhere. And he says, follow me and I'll show you how. Now, our verse today Instruct those who are rich in this present world. Do you know who he's talking about? You. And you say, no, no, I, I'm not rich. Oh, oh, yes, you are. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed morally and materially we compare ourselves to different people? I mean, morally we compare ourselves to who? People we think we're better than, right? I'm not that bad. But materially, we compare ourselves to those people who have more, right? So let me help you understand how rich you are. One of our members is from North Dakota. And we're having lunch one day, and I'm a curious person. I said, what's the coldest you ever experienced in North Dakota? And he said, minus 70 degrees. Now, I'm a Florida boy, and if it's below 70 degrees, it's cold. <laughs> and he said... Minus 70. And then he said, but it gets worse. I grew up with negative 70, and we had no indoor plumbing. You know what it really means to be poor? Negative 70 and no indoor plumbing. I am so rich. You know why? Because I have indoor plumbing. Do you, do you realize how few people in the history of the world have ever had indoor plumbing? You know what else we, I have? I have air conditioning. Now, I'm old, and I know what it's like to live in Florida without air conditioning. And most of you would never have moved here <laughs> without air conditioning, right? But man, do you realize how rich we are to have air conditioning? And electric, do you, do 
Do you realize how few people in history have had electricity? We are all so rich. Everyone in America is rich beyond our wildest imagination. I have a car. Do you? We're rich. You know what? In my refrigerator, I have more food than I'm going to eat today. That's why I'm rich. You do remember how Jesus taught us to pray, right? He said what? Give us this day our daily bread. Can you imagine how freaked out we'd be if we only had enough food in our house for today? But do you realize how that's most People live like that from day to day. We are all so rich. And I don't tell you this to make you feel guilty. I want you to enjoy. I want you to enjoy that Jesus has given us all these things to enjoy. And then he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. I want to be your financial advisor. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit says, he's wiser than you, follow him. So I'm going to give you a question. I'm going to give you a question. Don't vote till I ask you. Prayer or money and possessions? Now, which do you think the Bible speaks more about, prayer or money and possessions? How many of you go with prayer? All right, a few of you. How many of you go with money and possessions? Do you know the Bible speaks five times as much about money and possessions as it does about prayer. Did you know that? The Bible speaks about prayer about 500 times, but the Bible speaks about money and and possessions about 2,350 times. And uh, when Jesus moves in, he says, follow me. And he says, listen, there are four pillars of financial strength. Four pillars of financial strength. And so we're going to learn from Jesus the four pillars of financial strength. And the first pillar is to work. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, my father is working until now, and so am I. Jesus wants us to work. Work's a good thing. We were made to work. How do we accumulate wealth? We, what? We work. Remember when we were in chapter um, 5, And we read verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oh, listen, Jesus says we need to work for a living. Uh, We need to work hard and provide for our families. And and listen, man, listen, he's especially speaking to us. Listen, if your wife wants to work, so be it. But we should not expect our wives to support us. God made us to take care of our wives and family, and that's why we're called to work hard. And he says, listen, if you don't take care of your own family, even unbelievers, even people who've never met Jesus do that. So we are to work. And as Christians, we should be incredibly thankful that we get to work. Let me show you. I want to read you a book from your... verse from your favorite book in the Bible, Deuteronomy. There's treasure everywhere in God's Word. Listen to this verse. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth. Uh, God gives us the power to make wealth, uh, that He may... Confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is. Remember his covenant? I will bless you and make you a blessing. And one of his blessings is it gives us the ability to earn a living. You're still not convinced. Man, aren't you thankful you were born in America? 
you could have been born in Afghanistan. But God has given you the ability to work. Do you have a car when you're driving to work? Lord, thank you. You've given me the ability to make wealth and the health. Wow, thank you for a job. So the first pillar, Jesus says, follow me as our financial advisory. He says, work, work hard. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Second, he says to save, to save. There's a book in the Bible called Proverbs, and I want you to know the Bible's not like other books. It's, it's like a library. And one of the sections in the library is the wisdom section. And Proverbs fits into the wisdom section. It's a book about wise sayings. And most of the book of Proverbs is comparing two people, the wise person and the foolish person. Which one do you want to be? Hmm? Which one? You want to be wise? So he tells us. In Proverbs 21.20, there is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. You see, a wise person understands we live in a broken, sin-scarred world, and cars wear out, and air conditioners have to be replaced, and roofs need to be replaced, and so the wise person, when he brings his paycheck home, doesn't spend it all. He saves some. He sets money aside so that when things go wrong, they have the resources to take care of that. The foolish person, what does he do? He spends it all, and then when something breaks, guess what? There's no resources there to take care of it. So Jesus says, I want to be your financial advisor. Follow me. Work. He says, follow me. And when you get paid, set some of it aside and begin to save. And then the third pillar is with debt, with debt. And this is really radical. Jesus says, avoid going into debt. We live in a culture that says, easy debt. <laughs> easy to get into, but hard to get out of, right? Listen to what the Bible says about debt in Proverbs 22.7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Man, when you borrow money, then you become a slave to the lender. And every day, like one of the seven dwarves, when you go to work, you say what? I owe, I owe. <laughs> it's off to work I go, right? I mean, this is a really radical thought, but you know what Jesus says? If you want something, save up the money. And when you have the money, go buy it. Oh, I am so thankful that my wife and I have no debt. And it is the most freeing experience in the world is to not be in debt to other people. Well, I have one debt. Jesus says, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. One of the pillars of financial strength is to avoid getting into debt. And if we're in debt, to get out of it as fast as we can. Um, follow me. Work, save, avoid debt. And the fourth is to give. The reason I wanted to, to work through all four is usually in church, the only pillar we hear about in church is giving. And the Bible calls us to give. But the Bible speaks about so much more financial advice than simply giving, and I wanted to share that with you. And that's what brings us back to our passage here, to fix our hope on God who richly supplies us with all good things to enjoy, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So 
What does it look like to be generous? Well, I believe the Bible teaches that being generous starts with tithing. And, and you say, tithing, yes, in Malachi 3, verse 10, we read, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the word tithe means 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, I believe the Lord wants us to bring the first 10%, give it to his church so that his church would be fully funded. Listen, it would be unimaginable how much money our church would have if people tithe. It just, it would be amazing. But I want you to understand what he says here. He doesn't say, shame on you, you have too much. What he does say, if you'd really like to know that I exist, then bring the 10% in, and I'm going to pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Because here's what God loves to do. God loves to see people who give from what they already have so that he then gives them more so they have the ability to bless others more. Um, do you know who the first American billionaire was? Anybody know? Many people believe it was John D. Rockefeller. And um, <clears throat> he lived from July 8th, 1839 to May 23rd, 1937. Man, he was close to 100, right? He was an American oil industry business magnate and philanthropist. He is widely considered the wealthiest American of all time and the richest person in modern history. His peak net worth was estimated at $336 billion in 2007 U.S. dollar-adjusted inflation. The richest man in 1913, he once said in an interview, he was asked, do you tithe? And he said, yes, I tithe. He said, yes, I tithe, and I would like to tell you how it all came about. This is what I want you to hear. He said, I, was, I had to begin work as a small boy to help support my mother. My first wages amounted to $1.50 per week. Can you imagine working for a week and getting paid $1.50? The first week after I went to work, I took the $1.50 home to my mother, and she held the money in her lap and explained to me that she would be happy if I would give a tenth of it to the Lord. I did, and from that week until this day, I have tithed every dollar God has entrusted to me. And I want to say, if I had not tithed the first dollar I made... <laughs> I would have not tithed the first million dollars I made. Tell your readers to train the children to tithe, and they will grow up to be faithful stewards of the Lord. So the Lord says work, and the Lord says save, and the Lord says avoid debt, and the word Lord says give. Who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, now notice what he's going to say here, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future. Instead of putting your money in the attic and trying picking it up on the way up, you can send it ahead of you by investing in the Lord's work so on that day when you die and go to heaven, there will be people who say thank you. Thank you so much for investing in the church and I'm here because you gave. You'll, you'll have your treasure in heaven. And notice the second thing that he says. Um, for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Ah, 
Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you'd like to love Jesus more, if you'd like to follow him more fully in this life, one of the best ways to do that is to invest more in Jesus, and then you'll love him more, and you'll want to follow him more. So Jesus wants us to be rich, and he moves into us and says, follow me, and I want you to work and save and avoid debt and, and give. And so that brings us to our action step for today. And that is, I want you to pursue riches Jesus style. That Jesus wants us to be rich, so pursue riches Jesus style. Uh, let's remember to put our hope in Jesus. Jesus is our only hope in life and death. So many of us, we want a financial advisor, and Jesus says, I want to be your follow financial advisor. Follow me. I've got a plan for you. <laughs> a plan to bless you and a plan to make you a blessing. That runs throughout the Bible. Joshua. 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. What if we believe Jesus met us in his word, that Jesus met us in his word, and he's given the Holy Spirit, and in this word we read his plan to bless us and make us a blessing? Jesus, you lead and I'll follow. Holy Spirit, help me to realize that Jesus is wiser than I am. Help me to realize he's the best financial advisor ever and to follow him. So I would ask you, as Jesus has four pillars, which one is he calling you to take a step on? Do you need an adjustment with work? <laughs> Lord, you've given me the ability to work. Lord, help me to work hard. Is it to save? Have you just been spending all of your... Maybe the step the Lord has for you today is to begin to save. Won't you save? Maybe some of you are thinking about going into debt. Maybe it's not to go in, or maybe you're in debt. Lord, I, I want to get a plan to get out of debt. Or maybe it's to give. Listen, won't you take a step toward Jesus as he says, follow me? And listen, as, as we enjoy his blessings, let's be a blessing to others. I mean, aren't we surrounded by people who are out of control financially? I mean, who do you know who would love to hear that money is a, is a, is a good tool but a bad God? Who do you know who could really benefit from hearing that, that Jesus is our only hope in life and death? Who do you know who's looking for a financial advisor? Why not say, listen, I've got the best. I've got the best. You want to know who my financial advisor is? His name is Jesus, and he wants us to be rich. Would you like to hear more? Um, one of the things I've learned from Jesus is it's so important we go first. It's so important we go first, right? So listen, let's go first and pursue riches Jesus style. Let's enjoy Listen, let's enjoy all the riches he's given to us. And then let's be a blessing. Let's be generous to others. And then let's invite others. Come. Come and follow Jesus with us. He's the best financial advisor ever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for becoming poor so that we, all of us, could become rich. 
Thank you for taking our debt on the cross and paying it in full. And thank you for rising, proving the debt had been paid and we could receive the greatest gift ever, eternal life. And listen, if you've never received this gift and for the first time it's made sense to you, Jesus is here. Why don't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life and help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or, or tell me I'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you that you, Holy Spirit, would open our eyes today to see how rich we are, how rich we really are spiritually and eternally in this life and in the life to come. And Jesus, as you invite us to follow you, listen, what step is Jesus calling you? Won't you take that step? Won't you? Is it work? Is it saving? Is it debt? Is it giving? Won't you say, Lord, I want to follow you. Help me. Lord, put on our hearts. Put on our hearts the people you want us to go and share what we learned today. Oh, Jesus, you are our only hope in life and death. And so, Lord... We need you. Our nation needs you. We're praying for revival. You're our only hope. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us again, please?